Hi, everyone, and welcome to the So My Sister podcast. My name is Sarah. And mine is Taylor. We started the So My Sister podcast because we want to help Christian women thrive in the life that God gave them and to provide uplifting and encouraging content for all of our sisters in Christ. Both learning how to love yourself and glorify God in who you are by diving into the Bible and seeing how it relates to being a Christian woman today. We hope you join us each week as we learn right along with you. So my sisters, let's get started. So my sister, Sarah. So my sister, Taylor. (laughs) How's it going? How are you doing? Oh my goodness. I am so good. And do you want to know why I am so good? Yes, I do. (laughs) Okay. Me and Evan bought a couch. It is our first couch that we've ever bought. (laughs) I'm so excited for you guys. Thank you. We are so excited. So this is the first like couch we've ever bought. Um, so our couch set that we had before was given to us as like a hand-me-down for my parents. And I'm so thankful they did that because couches are expensive. Um, are. <laughs> they are. And so we've just been like sitting on my parents like hand-me-down couch for so long and it has seen better days. And so It was to the point where we were just like completely uncomfortable all the time on this couch. And so we were like, all right, we are adults. It's time to buy a couch. And we did. And Taylor, I cannot explain how happy I am. Like I realize how it is to be comfortable in your own home. And I'm like, what? This is this is all new. This is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Yeah, I can attest their couches were less than desirable to sit on but um yes yes I'm so happy and your new couch is gorgeous and it's humongous it is humongous in the store it didn't look that big but when you move it into our apartment we were like yeah wow this thing is a monster but it's so comfortable and like I can lay completely and then Evan can lay completely on it and there's still room on it like it's amazing (laughs) room for Gilmore Oh, I know. He wants to get up there so bad. And we're like, Gilmore, you're a dog. Let us Do you just not let him on the couch? couch for just a little bit. So today was the first day that we've let him on the couch because he has us wrapped around his little paws. He's so spoiled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> for sure. So my sister, Taylor, how are you doing? I'm good. I sent you a little preview of the notes app I've been keeping in my phone. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yes. And like what were, I just want to know your first impressions. Because I sent no context uh, whatsoever. Just like little thoughts throughout the day, zero context. Right, right. Okay. So I read them and I immediately started laughing. That was my first impression. <laughs> <laughs> because I read it and I was like, I literally have no idea like usually whenever someone sends you a list of things you can kind of get like where they're going with it but no like every single one of these I'm like I have no idea what Taylor's talking about but I cannot wait to hear each one explained (laughs) (laughs) I love it okay so starting off somewhat normal um have you ever heard of the Clifton Strength Finder personality test So it's similar to the Myers-Briggs 
Enneagram, like all of those. Uh, but there's like 34 like strengths. Like they, you take the test and then they like rank your strengths in order. And mine surprised me. Okay, so there's four categories. There's executing, influencing, relationship building, and strategic thinking. I lead with strategic thinking. That's like my top one, like my first 10 strengths, like the most are in strategic thinking. And then the second Mm. is relationship building. But I, my number one strength is connectedness. And then my second is intellect. Mm, Okay. That totally makes sense. But yeah, dead last is competition. And then I was thinking about it because like, like I in joy competition like but it doesn't affect me like it's never some it's not my motivator so I just thought it was super mm-hmm. interesting like I want Blake to take it because I feel like competition would be like his number one <laughs> and that's where we balance <laughs> each so other funny. out but I thought right, that was super right. interesting yeah um, I could okay. see that I could see the connectedness of, like a lot with you I feel like you um build relationships and like you connect with people really well but you also connect with like what you're doing like you're very emotionally driven and connected driven and like the things that you're very passionate about so I could definitely see that that does make sense I like having input about it too because I'm like okay Mm -hmm. did I did I do this wrong (laughs) or like do you actually think this is right fun fact that when Myers-Briggs I think that's the one that I took I'm not a big personality test person I took it and like the results completely did not make sense. Like a hundred percent did not make sense. And so I was, my best friend made me take it. And I was like, this does not make sense. This does not like match me. And she was like, you have to be honest when you answer the questions. And I was like, I am being honest. And she's like all about personality tests. And so she was like, I'm going to sit right beside you and I'm going to make sure you're answering honestly. Cause that girl, she knows me like the back of her hand. Like she knows me so well. And so I would sit there and I would like go to click something and she would be like, that is not you. <laughs> she would like help me be honest and like actually evaluate myself. It was probably one of my favorite memories with her because she was like making me be honest about every single question and just like completely calling me out and that is a good friend (laughs) yeah I did recently because I re when I took this I retook the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram just to see if like anything changed and nothing has changed since the very first time that I took them like five years ago Taylor the coolest thing when I took Myers-Briggs and I took it years ago before I went to therapy and I got one thing after I went to therapy I took it again like after I'd been in therapy for a couple years I took it again my results were completely different isn't that crazy that is crazy and I like obviously I took mine before and after therapy too but mine did not change at all well I just think that I I I was thinking one way before therapy and I'm thinking a completely different way now and it's like it was completely different like almost opposite opposite ends of the spectrum look it was crazy the differences that is crazy so do you have like a teacher's lounge that you like go into ever yes okay I had this realization last week that if someone brings in chips and salsa, like a communal chips and salsa for like a potluck or like anything like that, it is the most pungent smell out of anything you could bring. 
And it sticks in, and it's not bad. Like, I'm not mad at people for bringing in chips and salsa, but it makes me crave chips and salsa all day long. What? Because it sticks. I literally have nothing to say. (laughs) I have absolutely nothing to say to that. (laughs) I've never thought about that, which we don't have potlucks very often. We do. We do have potlucks, but. I have this weird thing about like not eating things that are made by people that I don't know. And so I don't typically attend potlucks. Plus, I try not to eat dairy and everything's made with dairy. And so whenever I go to potlucks, I feel like I can't eat anything. Except for the chips and salsa. Except for the chips and salsa. Mm. (laughs) I'm going to be the person that brings Uh. chips and salsa. Then everyone's going to smell it for the rest of the day. Uh, (laughs) Anyways, yeah, I feel that not going to – I don't – I feel like our office has them, like, monthly almost. We have them so often. But I typically go home for lunch just because, like, I do work so often and Blake and I are in ministry. Like, we want to have lunch together. Like, that's just, like, our time throughout the day. Like, especially if I'm working late, like, I want to go home to at least spend, like, 45 minutes just, like, with Blake and – that's like our time in the middle of the day yeah that's so nice that you can like go home for lunch like I work like 40 minutes away and I get like a 30 minute lunch so that only does not make sense (laughs) yeah welcome to school life it's a great schedule but you only get 30 minutes for lunch yeah I could not imagine all right moving on I speaking of work I work for the Girl Scouts. I don't know why I've never said this on the podcast, but I work for the Girl Scouts and I was at a meeting with some of like my like service unit directors um, in my area and I heard the craziest story. Um, we were talking about like wilderness safety, like taking girls um, on camping trips and stuff and stuff like that. And one of the troop leaders told this story about a story that they heard, like this didn't happen to them, but this chef, I don't know why that was important to the story, but he was walking in the woods and he came across a dead bear and he tried to like cut the claw off or whatever, just like keep it. But the thing that killed the bear was an electrical line. And the guy goes to cut the bear's claw off. And gets electrocuted, but oh. survives. What? So this electrical like line kills the bear, but not the guy. He lost his hand. He did. But oh. isn't that insane? Like, think about how massive bears are. Yeah. I wonder, oh, there's got to be a lot of science behind that that I will never understand. Uh, but whoa, that's crazy. Yeah. I just thought that that was also, insane, and everyone I think needed if I to saw know. A dead bear, like I don't think I actually I know my first instinct would not be to cut its claw off. That's a very odd reaction to seeing a dead bear. Yeah, my first instinct would to be walk as far away as possible because what if it's yeah. not dead yet? Like, what if it's yeah. just hanging out and then out, it just like sleeping? wakes up? It would especially wake up if you start chopping at his hands. Yeah. Yeah. I think I would just see the dead bear and run. 
Immediately. Immediately. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, sisters. So don't, if you come across bears ever, dead or alive, mm-hmm. just don't go near it. <laughs> Seems like nope. the safest option. Honestly, solid advice. This is all the advice that we can give you. Don't go near bears. (laughs) So we have effectively chit-chatted for 20 minutes at this point. Do we want to hop into our question for the week? Absolutely. Okay, so our question is, how do you deal with mental health and faith? So Taylor, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, we were talking about this question a little bit before we started recording and obviously we are huge advocates for therapy and like just taking care of yourself and mental health especially if you're in ministry or want to be in ministry you need to be the healthiest version of yourself when you're wanting to pour into other people Um, but one verse that did come to mind and it is the most simple verse in the bible is just that Jesus wept. And I love this verse. And I love the context of this verse because Jesus knew that Lazarus was going to raise from the dead. He knew that. He's God. He is God Almighty. He is omnipotent and omnipresent. And he knew that Lazarus was going to raise from the dead. And he still wept. And I love this verse. I love reading it. I always have it in the back of my mind, especially when I am having some tough mental health days is because it's a reminder that God does not want us to shy away from our emotions and he does not want us to hide what we're feeling, but rather bring those emotions to the Lord and still have faith that God's going to bring us through, that God's going to deliver. Right. And I love that you said that because it's true. Like we, we sometimes forget that our emotions are given to us by God. We were created with emotions and they have a purpose. And I love that scripture as well, because it shows that like Jesus also had emotions and he also went through hard times and like Jesus wept. And I can think of so many times that I have wept, you know, and when I do, I know that Jesus understands what I'm going through. When I read that question, two verses came to my mind. And so I want to go over both. But Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Whenever I used to read this and I was dealing with anxiety a lot, I read that part, do not be anxious about anything. And I feel like Every time I felt anxious, I was like, ah, I'm failing, I'm failing, I'm failing. I'm not supposed to be anxious. Um, But when God was leading me through like the healing journey of healing of my mental health, I feel like he really just showed me the meaning of of these scriptures and really dissected them for me. And so I wanted to share that with you today. So in these scriptures, does God say 
don't be anxious about anything, okay? That's all. Bye. (laughs) No, he doesn't just tell us don't be anxious. He tells us what to do when we are anxious. And me and Taylor were just talking about this, how your emotions are normal and created by God. And we're all going to feel anxious. We're all going to have anxiety at times. And the scripture doesn't condemn anxiety, but it shows us what to do when we have anxiety. And it tells us to pray with thanksgiving and let our requests be known to God. And then it gives us assurance that what God will do for us, if we follow those words, is that he says, I am going to give you peace that exceeds your understanding and guards your heart and your mind. And sisters, I just want to stop there and say, like, if you're struggling with your mental health, it can be a journey of healing. You may pray and ask for healing and you may not feel completely okay the next second. And that's okay because sometimes God will lead you through that healing. God has the ability to take it all away. Don't get me wrong. You have faith, you pray, and God has the ability to take all of that away. But he can also lead you through that healing journey. And so I do want to say that like his peace passes your understanding and it guards your heart and your mind. And it might be a process of healing and walking through that healing with him. And then the other scripture that came to my mind was Isaiah 41.10. And it says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. I absolutely love that scripture. And in that scripture, again, like the one that I just read, God doesn't just say, okay, don't fear. Good luck. (laughs) No, he is not condemning us for being afraid. He is showing us a way out of fear. He doesn't just say, don't be afraid. He says, Don't be afraid because I'm with you. He doesn't just say, don't be dismayed. He says, don't be dismayed for I am your God. And if that wasn't enough, he also adds that he will strengthen you and he will help you and he will uphold you with his righteous right hand. And that's where I was talking about earlier that God is going to strengthen you and your mental health. He's going to help you heal in your mental health. He will uphold you in that healing journey. And these scriptures and many more show us that it's normal to struggle with your mental health, but God provides the answers. He provides the healing and he provides the way out. So Taylor, what I would say my biggest piece of advice in dealing with your mental health and your faith is knowing that you have to approach your mental health with faith. You have to lean into God. And like you said, tell him how you feel. Ask him for his help and ask him to lead you in his plan for your healing and your restoration. Sisters, God created your mind and he's the one that can heal it. So if you're struggling with your mental health, I encourage you to just invite him into that pain and ask him to lead you in the healing journey that he has for you. I think that is a perfect segue into our topic this week. Um, We're going to talk a lot about faith, but um, last week we talked about forgiveness and why God forgives us. 
and why we should extend that same grace to other people. And this week we want to dive a little deeper into forgiveness and talk about forgiving ourselves. And I am so eager to get into this episode because even in just studying and writing this episode, it's helped me work through some things that I didn't even realize I hadn't forgiven myself for. Sisters, we know that this can be a hard topic to discuss because it brings up such vulnerable times in our lives. But as I was preparing for this episode, I was reminded of a time when I was struggling with unforgiveness for myself and I didn't know how to navigate it. So I prayed and I prayed for God to lead me through and to teach me how to forgive myself and how to move forward with him. During that time in my life, God not only led me through forgiveness, but also led me in discovering my worth and my identity in him. I want to remind all of you that Taylor and I are speaking from experience on this podcast. We know how it feels to be stuck in shame and in guilt, but we also know how it feels to walk through those seasons with God into a place of forgiveness and victory. And we are so excited to share what God has taught us about forgiving ourselves with all of you today. So my sisters, why is it so hard for us to forgive ourselves? Believe me when I tell you, I know how incredibly hard it is to forgive yourself. And at times, forgiving yourself can be even more challenging than forgiving others. I also know that the reason forgiving yourself is so hard is because it is directly rooted in failure. It's rooted in guilt and in shame. Forgiving yourself takes an immense amount of faith and confidence in who God is and who he's called you to be. I truly believe that forgiving yourself is an act of true faith. We've all heard of cancel culture. And through that movement, people have basically decided to go against the teachings of the gospel and have deemed people who make mistakes or wrong decisions as unforgivable and unredeemable. In our culture, we are constantly bombarded with the lie that if you do good things, you're a good person, but if you do bad things, you're a bad person. This belief completely goes against what the Bible teaches, but it is a belief that humans want to believe. I feel like in our human brains, we think bad is bad and good is good, and our world makes sense in that order and in those black and white concepts, but when we're given the concepts of undeserved forgiveness, undeserved mercy, undeserved grace, and undeserved salvation, that order is completely disrupted. Let's be honest, sisters. Like we said last week, sometimes in our brains, forgiveness doesn't make sense. We think bad deeds need to be punished and good deeds need to be celebrated. But God, thankfully, does not think like us. He sees us as forgivable, redeemable, lovable, and able to be saved. I truly think that sometimes forgiving ourselves is hard to do because we know better than anyone how much we don't deserve that forgiveness. It is so true that forgiveness doesn't always make sense to us. We're currently working through the real life Bible study with our youth group. 
and we just finished a lesson where it talked about all of the things in our life that we do every single day that don't make sense to us. Like Sarah, do you understand the inner workings of turning on a light in your house? No, definitely not. Do you? Exactly. Do you understand how your fridge stays cold or how your iPhone works? Probably not. But do we still use and trust each of these things on a daily basis? We have to start viewing forgiveness in the same way. Just like we said last Mm -hmm. week, unforgiveness only holds us in bondage. And you deserve to let go of the feelings of shame and guilt after you've brought those wrongdoings to the Lord. So most of us have heard Romans 3.23, but today I want to start out this episode and this topic by reading Romans 3.21-31. through 31. And I know this is a lot of scriptures, but let's just discuss it as we read it, Taylor, okay? All right, so verse 21 says, But now God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law, as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. So this verse is referring to the law in the Old Testament set up by God before the new covenant was established through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. So verse 22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Okay, so stopping right there, let's take a moment and let's just let that sink in. This scripture says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. When struggling with unforgiveness, you might be having thoughts like, what if I've made too many mistakes? What if I've chosen to do bad things too many times? You don't know what I've done. What if I don't? deserve forgiveness. If those are the thoughts in your head today, this scripture will bring you hope because it says that we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus and that this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. I just want to stop right here and point out that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, you are made right by placing your faith in Jesus. Sisters, we cannot place our faith in our ability to make things right. But in order to truly make things right, our faith must be placed in Jesus. Then verse 23 says, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Sisters, we have all made mistakes. And we have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. I believe that one of the most damaging things the enemy can do to you is convince you to isolate yourself in your shame and in your guilt. Sisters, please hear me today when I say do not allow the enemy to convince you of lies like you're the only one that's ever made mistakes. We have all fallen short of God's glorious standard. But thankfully, the rest of these scriptures tells us how to make things right when we do sin. So picking up at verse 24, yet God in his grace 
freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness, for he himself is fair and just, and he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. There you go, sisters. That's how you make things right. You believe that Jesus sacrificed his life and shed his blood to free you from sin and death, to give you hope, to give you forgiveness, to give you mercy and grace. You are made right in the sight of God when you believe in Jesus and when you believe in what he did for you. I want to go back to what I said earlier. Forgiving yourself is an act of true faith. Taylor, that is why I believe that forgiving yourself is so hard to do. As humans, when we mess up, we want to control things. And we want to make things right through our own power and through our own abilities. But just like we said last week, forgiveness is not something that is humanly possible. It is only possible with God. It is only possible through having faith in the sacrifice that Jesus made for you. Believe me, sisters, Taylor and I both know how it feels to feel undeserving of that sacrifice. In our humanity, we are undeserving. But in verse 24, we see why that just doesn't matter. It says, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Sisters, sometimes you want to choose to not forgive yourself, but in making that choice, you are ultimately saying that Jesus's sacrifice for you was not enough. Forgiveness comes from God, not our own abilities. We just have to be willing to have faith, repent, and accept forgiveness and grace, even though we don't deserve it. So verse 27 says, can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. Do you hear that, sisters? So acquittal means a judgment that a person is not guilty of the crime that he or she has been charged with. And this scripture says that our acquittal is based on faith. Verse 28 says, so we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. After all, is God the God of the Jews only? Isn't he also the God of the Gentiles? Of course he is. There's only one God and he makes people right with himself only by faith, whether they are Jews or Gentiles. In our minds, I feel like we battle not forgiving ourselves because we think we have to make things right through our own actions and through our own abilities. 
But these scriptures show that that is not how God designed forgiveness and salvation. We are only made right with God through faith. Accepting God's forgiveness and forgiving ourselves only comes through the power and ability of God. Then when we are forgiven and accepted by God, we have nothing to boast about. We didn't get there by our own abilities. We got there by our faith in God's abilities. And then verse 31 says, Well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? Of course not. In fact, only when we have faith do we truly fulfill the law. Now, sisters, this beautiful message of forgiveness and grace and salvation is not to be used as a get-out-of-jail-free card anytime we need to use it. We must remember that true repentance is asking for forgiveness and then turning away from those wrong actions. When we are living in faith, we are fulfilling the law and God's plan for our lives. That was so good, Sarah. I was reading your notes before we started recording and I know you said like let's discuss it but I was reading through everything and I was like you know what like you just said everything so perfectly like I just wanted to let you have that because I felt like anything I could add would just be redundant at that point and I'm so glad that you brought all of those points up and it is it is so hard to have faith in because it is like in our human minds so hard to truly give those feelings to God, like give the guilt and the shame and the remorse and the regret that we're feeling after we've done something wrong or after we've hurt someone, because we we feel like having those feelings makes up for what we did. But that's not what the word of God says. It says, no, like I'm going to forgive you and I'm also going to take those feelings because that's not what your identity is like that's not who you are my word says you're forgiven just have faith and that I'm gonna make all things right so my sisters why should we forgive ourselves sisters I just want to reiterate that I know how hard it is to forgive ourselves but we have to remember that God has the final say there is not one thing you can do that you won't be forgiven for because his word says you are forgiven. In 1 Peter 5, 10 through 11, it says the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you've suffered a little while. To him be dominion forever. Amen. And this week, I'm taking a page out of Sarah's book, and I looked up the definitions of shame and guilt. The definition of shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the conscientious of wrongdoing or foolish behavior. The simple definition of guilt is the fact of having committed a specific or implied offense or crime. But while looking up these definitions, to my surprise, something else popped up as I was looking for the definition of guilt. Sarah, have you ever Googled a random symptom you're having? Like if your heart was racing for no reason or you just got like a random pain in your head or your arm or something? 
Absolutely. I try not to, but yes. <laughs> right. It's definitely hard, but you know that little box that pops up on Google with the list of different medical conditions it can be and treatments and things like that, that actually popped up when I was Googling the definition of guilt. And the overview of guilt on Google says that guilt is a feeling of responsibility or regret for a perceived offense, real or imaginary, that can be part of the grief reaction. The common causes of guilt stated that guilt can be normal and is only an indicator of underlying disease when feelings become excessive, all-consuming, and interfere with daily living. Google also stated that self-treatment of guilt includes acknowledging feelings of guilt and talking about them with a loved one or a trusted friend. Like Sarah said last week, we don't believe in coincidences or happenstance, and I just want to read John 15 verses 12 through 17 really quick. And it says, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants anymore because servant because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit and that your fruit should remain. Whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give to you. And sisters, how wonderful is it to know that Jesus is not only our savior, but he is our friend. Because of this love and kindness, we are able to go to him when we're feeling these intense emotions that accompany failure, shame, and guilt. We were never meant to carry the guilt and shame that an act of unforgiveness produces. And I truly believe that this is one of the greatest traps that the enemy lays for us. The the feelings that accompany guilt and shame are anything but what we should feel like when we are living for the Lord. When Jesus died on the cross, he died so that not just our sin, but our guilt and shame would be covered under the blood as well. He died so that we could have life more abundantly. And in John 10, 10, it says a thief only comes to kill and destroy. I have come so that they may have life and have it in abundance. Sisters, when you are in the depths of dealing with guilt and shame, and when you feel like there is no way you're ever going to be able to forgive yourself or live with the choices that you've made, please remember that you are not the first person that has ever made a mistake, like Sarah said earlier. Please remember that You're not the first person that's ever lied or cheated or stabbed someone in the back or made the wrong choice or trusted the wrong person, got involved with the wrong crowd or relationship. Above everything, remember that no matter what you have done, God forgives our sins, point blank, period. There is no guilt or shame that you could feel that will ever change God's mind about forgiving you. 
And like Sarah says, it just takes that faith and trust and knowing that God is going to forgive us, that God is going to take all of those feelings from us. First John 1 and 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Trust me, sisters, when I say we know how hard it is to choose to confess instead of conceal. Like I said earlier, when you make a mistake, the enemy is going to try to convince you to isolate yourself in that shame and in that guilt and conceal those mistakes instead of confess those mistakes. When you enter into that isolation, it may seem safe at first, but in that isolation, you are choosing your control of the situation over God's plan for you. Like I stated earlier, God's plan for you is forgiveness and salvation only given through his abilities. But in order to obtain those, you have to repent. Psalm 32, 5 says, Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Sisters, we are not saying that you have to go confess to everyone every single mistake you've ever made. But what we are saying is that confessing those sins to God and repenting of them is non-negotiable. I know how scary and how hard that might seem, but in this scripture, God takes the guessing out of this action and tells us exactly what he's going to do when we confess to him. He will forgive us. I think the most beautiful part of repentance is that God already knows. There is not one thought you could have or one thing you could do that God does not already know about. Yes, it can be incredibly hard admitting fault when it comes to our sins and failures, and it can be especially hard to vocalize those things when we have done wrong. But when we take that initial step of confessing and just saying, Lord, I messed up, he's typically able to fill in the blanks, and then he's able to just wrap us in his peace. John 8, 36 says, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Sisters, Jesus' plan for you is to be free. But if you're living in a state of shame and guilt over the past, you are not living in his freedom. You must have faith in God's ability to forgive you. And that forgiveness and grace sets you free. We are not called to live in partial freedom, but we're called to live in complete freedom. We're not called to let our past dictate our future, but Revelation 12, 11 says that we are called to overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimonies. So how do we forgive ourselves? Like I said earlier, forgiving yourself is a true act of faith. Choosing to forgive yourself is choosing to have faith in Jesus and what he did for you. It is choosing to have faith in God's desire to save you over your own desire to condemn yourself and make things right by your own abilities. 
Right. You cannot believe that God is able to forgive others and also believe that you're not worthy of that same forgiveness. To believe and have faith in the gospel is to believe that Jesus' sacrifice is able to cover every sin, every single sin. So sisters, I've actually been doing some studying in parts of the Old Testament that I want to talk to you about today. So specifically, I've been reading and studying in Leviticus. So I know what you might be thinking. Sarah, why in the world are you talking about Leviticus right now? (laughs) Just trust me for a minute. I promise I'm going somewhere with this. So in my studies, I've been listening to another podcast and it's called She Reads Truth. And they said one thing on there that really stuck out to me. In Leviticus, God explains the different sacrifices the people should give in certain situations. And when I read about those sacrifices in the past, I thought, but what if those people didn't even feel bad for their actions? Like, what if they were just going through the motions to basically do what they had to do to check all the boxes to be forgiven? And then the podcast hosts linked the action of sacrificing to a scripture I have remembered praying so many times when I have been repenting of my mistakes and my sins. Psalm 51:17 says, "The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, O God." These words were written in the Old Testament before Jesus had come to die for our sins. In this podcast episode, they explained that when these people were sacrificing different animals and things for their sins, the sacrifice God desired in these actions and in these people were a broken spirit and a broken and repentant heart. Sisters, when we mess up, it's normal for us to feel broken, to feel convicted and guilt and shame. It's normal for us to feel like we have a broken spirit and a broken heart. But the first step in being forgiven by God and in forgiving ourselves is to give those things to God. Give your broken and repentant heart to God. And that scripture says he will not reject it. I know that when we are repenting and we are confessing, one fear that we can feel is rejection. But this scripture plainly says that God will not reject a broken and repentant heart. 1 John 1, 8-9 says, If we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. Our first step in forgiving ourselves and healing from shame and guilt must be to repent and give God our broken spirits and broken and repentant hearts. After we've sinned or failed or gotten off track, there are two paths we can take. We can either recognize our mistake, turn to God and repent and grow from those mistakes, or we can try to cover them up by our own abilities, and repeat the cycle. One of the most notable characteristics of King David was that he was a man after God's own heart. 
David was a man after God's own heart, and he still failed. After David had failed, he recognized that mistake. David said to the prophet Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 13, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan replied, the Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die. And jumping down to 2 Samuel 12 and 20, it says, Then David got up from the ground after he had washed, put on lotions, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of the Lord, and he worshipped. Then he went to his own house, and at the request, at his request, they served him food, and he ate. David made the choice after he failed to not cover things up, not try and fix things by his own abilities. He chose to turn back to God. And David failed in a big way. When you fail a test at school, do you just never try again in any of your classes? When you lose a game, do you quit the sport completely? No, because you know that the right thing to do and what will be better for you in the long run is to keep going. We cannot resent all of our failures. Sometimes they can truly be a test from God that was meant to make us stronger. In Psalms 119 verses 71, it says, It was good for me to be afflicted so that I can learn your statutes. Sisters, when I read this verse, I read it from the vantage point of, yes, I may be afflicted and I may be struggling and I may have failed, but because of this, I get to experience God's love and grace and power in an entirely new way. Then the next step is to live in peace, knowing and believing that God makes all things new. Sisters, I know I have said it multiple times so far on this episode, but I have to say it again. Forgiving yourself is a true act of faith. Forgiving yourself is having faith in the fact that God's salvation is greater than your mistakes. His plan for you is greater than your shame and guilt, and his sacrifice on the cross for you is greater than your sin. 2 Corinthians 5, 14-18 says, Since we believed that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone, so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So, we have to stop evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Sisters, we can no longer view forgiving ourselves from a human point of view. The human point of view deems us as unworthy and undeserving of grace and forgiveness, but I am so thankful that God's view is so much higher 
and so much greater. Because Jesus died for us and because we belong to him, we are made new. Our old lives are gone and our new lives have begun. Sisters, the lies of shame and guilt say that we don't deserve that new life, but you know what? That's actually true. We don't deserve it. But do you know what else is true? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that we don't deserve it because verse 18 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. Forgiveness is not in our human abilities, but it is a gift from God to bring us back to him. We have to choose to accept this gift instead of reject it, even when that is hard to do. If you are struggling with unforgiveness, please pray for God to teach you how to accept this beautiful gift he has for you. I literally love everything you just brought up, Sarah, especially how forgiveness is truly a gift from God. One of my top love languages is gifts. So I don't know if this is going to apply to literally anyone else but me, but I have never once in my life turned down a birthday or a Christmas gift. Why on earth would I turn down a gift that offers me eternal life? Also, I think it's important to mention that God is not mad at you, sisters. The entire point of the gospel, the entire purpose of Jesus entering the world fully God and fully man is that so you are able to turn to Christ and ask for forgiveness when you make mistakes. There is no sin too large or too small that you are not going to be able to recover from. So my sisters, I want to close out this episode with reading Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And those verses say, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. We know that forgiving yourself can be hard. We know that admitting fault and working through the remnants of guilt and shame can be even harder. We know that it takes an immense amount of faith and sometimes in our own understanding, the grace that God gives us might not make sense. But the most beautiful thing about the gospel is that God knew it wouldn't make sense to us all the time. And that's where faith steps in. This week, we encourage each of our sisters to have faith in God's forgiveness, comfort, healing, and grace as you pray for him to lead you in forgiving yourself and fulfilling his beautiful plan for your life. So my sisters, we loved diving into the word of God with you this week. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at SoMySister and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed listening to this podcast episode, we would love to hear from you. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and tell us what you like about our podcast. We can't wait to hear from you.